Welcome back to another episode of Patrick Lacrosse Picks, the show where we analyze every game from every conference so you can make the best picks. As always, we're your hosts, the two Garretts. Yes. <laughs> um, we are down a Garrett this week. Um, some scheduling issues uh, got got mixed around, so he was unavailable today, but uh, we're holding down the fort. Um, a popular saying this past weekend uh, with how uh, a certain goalie for West Point played, uh, Mr. Uh, Knox Dent. Yeah, uh, we are down dry band today. He is uh, moving from Texas to Oklahoma and uh, has had quite the busy week. So we uh, tried to squeeze it in, but it just didn't work out. So we are coming to you obviously later in the week, but with only four games to cover, it's not our normal slate. And this should be a pretty quick one, but four hugely important games. I am so excited to sit down on both days and just take it all in. We've had some pretty hard weeks of picks for the regular season, but when you get to this point, everything's a toss-up, really. I mean, every game could go either way, so we're just doing our best here. Yep, absolutely. Um, I got nothing else to add, so I'll just jump right into uh, Dog of the Week, and I kind of uh, alluded to who I was going to pick. Uh, I went with uh, Knox Dent, uh, a.k.a. Fort Knox, uh, 16 saves against Maryland uh, in their first round game. He also had four GBs and a cause turnover, which was very impressive. Uh, I got the chance to watch that game uh, after my little brother's uh, D3 first D3 game on Saturday. Um, very cool atmosphere. We got invited to uh, one of uh, his teammates' house. It was his birthday too, so it was a very good time and uh, very cool atmosphere to you know just sit down, talk, and watch some lacrosse. Um, but yeah. Ford Knox, Knox Dent, great, great day from the kid. Um, certainly a lot of players stood out. Owen Grant, I thought, certainly deserved a little bit of a mention for how he played against Brennan O'Neill uh, on Sunday against Duke. Um, but, I mean, you can't, you can't not give it to this kid. Uh, he played, he played uh, upside down, and he was a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, really no one else. For me, for me, kind of even rivals that from this weekend. Uh, no top 20s this week. Our top 20 from last time is going to be the top 20 for the playoffs. Uh, we will have an end-of-year kind of top 20. But for now, uh, we only had, obviously, the eight games this past weekend. Uh, Boyd, you went 5-3, and three, um, and you very easily could have gone 7-1, and 8-0. No. Like, just those types of games could go either way. The only hey. one that killed you was Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the game's the game. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Dryband and I both went undefeated 8-0. and uh, I don't know if we've ever had that in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, there was definitely some luck on our side there. Mr. Voigt, you are at 394 and 157. I am at 414 and 137. And Dryband is at 418 and 133. With only four games this weekend and three games next weekend, uh, not that much time, really not that much room for the standings to change. Uh, but, you know, crazy things can happen. Uh, picks can go wild ways. So we will dive right in to quarterfinal weekend. We begin uh, in Albany, I believe, is where the Saturday games are. 
starting off at noon with uh, the seventh-seeded Georgetown Hoyas taking on the Virginia Cavaliers. And this is not a unique matchup in the quarterfinals, as the last time these two teams played, period, was in the 2021 quarterfinals. The score, 14-3 Virginia. Uh, That game was ugly from start to finish for Georgetown. Virginia just took command, stepped on their throats, and never looked back. Interestingly enough, for us historically, the three of us all took Georgetown that day. And it was a relatively confident Georgetown pick. So not great, totally demoralizing. Um, Georgetown still finished their season 13-3 and that year. So by all accounts, it was a pretty good year for the Hoyas. What is Georgetown's record right now? 13-3. and three. Uh, Virginia's last loss was on April 15th to Duke. Georgetown's last loss, February 25th. That's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For me, this pick is largely guided by anti-Virginia bias. You know, we all have our biases, um, so mine is definitely showing here. But I honestly think Georgetown is going to win. I think they can win. I think they're just maturing at the right time, all of it for me to take the Hoyas here. The Wahoos always dominate GBs, but Georgetown also is really good at ground balls. Um, And Georgetown also has a way, way better turnover margin than Virginia. Virginia, you know, they gamble a little bit, especially uh, on uh, transition and sometimes, you know, bites them. LaSalle is great at the X, but, uh, you know, Georgetown has a good unit there. And and Nunes, as we all have seen this year, he can be streaky. He's a very good goalie, but if he's not hot, he is not hot. So despite the onslaught from Yale's offense, I, I still like Georgetown's defense to kind of hold up this UVA attack. And yeah, give the Hoyas redemption here. I mean, they have been looking forward, I think, to a matchup like this for a couple of years. So I'm going to stick with Georgetown. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, Georgetown, we kind of like wrote them off after the first three games of the season. And I've mentioned that a few times in the last few weeks, but just you got to keep mentioning because this journey is just so unique and it's just so awesome to see from this Georgetown team with, you know, how they played last season and how this that season ended in a loss to Delaware in the first round. Now they lose the first three games of the season and then they just run a, run through their schedule, uh, win after win after win, and they've certainly earned it. Um, you did mention the face-off X. I think this game is going to be won and lost at the face-off X. Absolutely. I'm Petey Lusalli. He's a great, great FOGO. Um, but he hasn't had exactly the best year. Um, he's not like the Petey Lusalli from last year or the year before when they, they were going to Final Fours and championships. Um, and it, it seems like there, there's that something's a little off. And with how Georgetown's playing, I've and, their, and just their toughness on ground balls, you mentioned that as well. I really like them to win that battle. Um, and when it comes to defenses, I really like Georgetown's defense, and I'm not too sold on UVA's defense. They can be streaky at times as well. Um, you know, I, I'm i a coach, and I've told my kids who, I, um, who play close defense, every goal that you give up 10 yards within, that's on you. Everything 12 and above is on the goalie. Um, UVA has been prone to do that at times. Let let uh, let passes in on the inside and uh, leave Nunez on an island by himself. Um, I and with how Georgetown moves the ball on offense, how well their players move around off ball, 
and just find space uh, is incredible. So um, I'm really, I'm taking Georgetown here. I really like how they're playing. Uh, they're on a run right now. I don't think they want to stop. And, you know, I think, I think the, the bell is ringing now for UVA at this point. I think uh, this uh, streak of final fours and championship appearances is going to come close to an end much earlier than we think. Yeah. And Dryband does not need to be on this call for most of our listeners who have listened to us from the beginning of this season to know who he will be taking here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dryband is absolutely taking Georgetown. Uh, He was always higher on the Hoyas than uh, both of us. Uh, And so certainly he's going to take them. Uh, He sent us a little couple notes. He feels incredibly confident in Dordovic. Uh, and he thinks that this game might be the game of the weekend. But yeah, this is a total heart pick for dry band. We, we didn't even have to ask him. We knew he was taking Georgetown. Oh, yeah. He called Dordovic a possessed man, as yeah. he would say. <laughs> yeah. All right. We cap off Saturday afternoon with a two o'clock start in Albany with a just a wild matchup. Uh, a really exciting one with the. Uh, nine-seeded Michigan Wolverines taking on the number one overall seeded Duke Blue Devils. Michigan continues to just be awesomely entertaining, continues to win when they need to. Uh, What an incredible game against Cornell, uh, withstanding that cursed late fourth-quarter surge and holding on with a great backdoor cut goal in overtime. Just an incredible season of destiny for this Michigan team. For me, I don't know about you, Voight, I don't put a lot of stock in Duke beating Delaware just by one. I just have a lot of respect for that Delaware team. And I think between us, we, we thought Duke would win, but by no means by a blowout. Uh, that, Del- that Delaware team is very good, and they just showed how how competitive they can be. Uh, so I'm, I'm not that phased by it, but it still is enough to say Duke is our, you know, quote, panic team of the week just because it's it's a... It's a close win to a much lower ranked team. I don't think either Michigan or Duke have played before. Probably not. I mean, with how young Michigan is. And on that note, Michigan's turnovers, they concern me. They're actually at a negative turnover deficit on the season. And yet somehow they find ways to win. It's 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 crazy. Uh, but Duke, in terms of turnovers, they're over 50%, but not by a lot. Uh, so definitely the ball is going to be turning hands quite a bit in this one. Much like the game before it, faceoffs will be a big battle. And I think Michigan does have a slight edge there. But both Fogos are uh, are probably might be the best Fogo matchup of the weekend in this one. If you talk about Michigan, you got to talk about Hunter Taylor and goal. He has been the difference for them. This, I think, is the ultimate heart versus head pick. Uh, I, I took Michigan in the Big Ten Championship. I took them last weekend. I'm taking this team, or I took this team because of momentum and how important momentum is in the month of May. I was going to take Michigan, but I'm going to take Duke. I'm going to take Duke primarily because Dry Band is taking Michigan. Uh, <laughs> I would have loved to take Michigan. But um, I'm at the point now where if I want to win our little picks competition, I need to take some more gambles. And uh, I think this is the one I'm willing to take. So I'm going to take the Blue Devils. I don't think as good as Michigan is, I don't know if Michigan has an answer for the pieces that Duke have in terms of Ledman and O'Neal. I just don't know if they have the the defense to to match up. So uh, 
might be my most exciting game of the weekend for this one, but I'm going to go with the Blue Devils. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm sticking with the Blue Devils here. Uh, yeah, that game was a little scary against Delaware, but then you go back and look, but then you look back at how like Delaware has played um, the last few weeks. Yeah, they dropped that game to Towson at the end of the season, but that was kind of a game that we've said that they didn't exactly need to win. Yeah. Um, so they could have they they easily half-assed their way into the CAA and just ran through the entire um, tournament there. Um, and you know, there's a lot of chatter um, from like the so-called experts, um, I like to call them, um, like saying, "Oh, Delaware didn't deserve to be in the um, in the play-in game. They probably should have played Hopkins." Yada yada yada. Um, but you know what? Uh, give all credit to Bryant. They went out and beat Brown, and that was enough for the committee to say, "Hey, you don't need to do. You don't need to play the play-in game." Um, Especially when Delaware already played Hopkins. I mean, that's not everything, but at least it's something. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I. You know, no knock to Michigan. They're they played out of their minds this year. Um, I have to disagree with it. The faceoff X. I think this is uh, Duke's game to lose at the faceoff X. Jake really? Nassau, wow. Jake Nassau is first team All American this year, um, uh, as as per the All American rankings that were released like the other day. And Nick Rowlett, I I don't think he's necessarily going to win the clamp, but he can win the scraps absolutely. Um, so that's something Nassau has to you know keep in the back of his mind uh, come Saturday afternoon because. You know, he's going to win that clamp, but Rowlett's going to be all over him. So that's going to be a battle that I'm going to love to watch. Like, I'm going to love all these face-off battles, too, because this is where face-offs are probably the most important and where momentum, you know, starts for the entire game. Um, and, yeah, uh, you mentioned Michigan's defense. I'm not too sold on them either. I mean, you look at all the pieces that Duke has, Garrett Ledman, Brendan O'Neill, Dyson Williams – um, oh my gosh, who's that guy? They have that kid from Manhasset. I'm Macadori. He's yep. in, he's insane. Um, or he's from St. Anthony's. Uh, sorry, I think they're rivals. So don't uh, come after me. Yeah, we're uh, we're, we're 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 not Long Island people. We don't know the full extent. Yeah, don't don't come after me, please. Um, so yeah, no man. They this is going to be a great another great game, I think. Um, but I think Duke comes out on top. I think if you look at the similarities as far as games that they had this year, that Delaware game was a lot like that Jacksonville game. They kind of came out a little slow. They were a little bit shell shocked, to be quite frank with you. Um, that you know Delaware is coming out and playing playing as well as they um, uh, playing as well as they did. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Duke has learned their lesson. I think they know that they need to win this game to, you know, go to the Final Four and have that chance at a championship. And, you know, if it's not this year, it, I don't know what next year is going to bring with all the seniors uh, leaving. Um, so I think they go balls to the wall this game and uh, they take down the Wolverines. But I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. This could be an overtime game, absolutely. And it will give me a heart attack at the end of Saturday. Yeah, and like as I as I insinuated, Drybin is going to take the Wolverines here um, for a lot of the reasons that I wanted to take them. Right, momentum in May, the prior record from the regular season really doesn't matter. Uh, Michigan is just playing a different brand of lacrosse. They're almost they're almost like a totally different team, uh, and like statistics don't apply to them anymore. So uh, he is going to take Michigan, and um, yeah, let's head over to Sunday. Yeah, so first game Sunday, we have the Hopkins Blue Jays taking on Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
Um, yeah, I'm picking Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm picking Notre Dame. Um, I just, uh, you know, no knock to Hopkins. They, they've played great um, this year. But I don't know if they've seen really anybody that as, is as tough as Notre Dame. Um, let's see. Let's. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They played UVA. That was that was a close-ish game, but they were also missing Peyton Cormier and another midfielder that day. And they also got to play that at Homewood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got to play that at Homewood as well. So God knows what happens. Um, where are they playing this game? Um, this is at the Naval Academy, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, so not too far of a drive. Um, but the Blue Jay faithful will be there. Oh yeah, they they will absolutely be there. Um it's uh it's gonna be certainly the feel of a home game for the hop for the Hopkins Blue Jays. Um but I don't know, man. The Kavanaugh's are unreal. They're they're just unreal. Um I and I don't know if that's a task that the close defense for Johns Hopkins is ready for. Mazone, I can see them putting Mazone down on close and putting him on a Kavanaugh or two. Um, but I just don't know. I'm not too sold on the Hopkins defense to take care of the Kavanaugh's. And plus you got Brian Tevlin, who's doing it all. And you never know where he's going to be on the field and with what stick either. So um, he's, he's a guy that um, I can see being a big difference maker in this game, especially with how both teams like to run up and down the field, um, not only in sets, but also just play chaos lacrosse and just play the clear game and the ride game pretty well. So it's going to be an entertaining game. It's going to be very fast paced. It might be a little bit sloppy here and there um, with uh, the chances that both these teams like to take, um, but you never know. Um, it's going to be certainly a tough game, but I got to go with the Irish here. Um, I think we're looking, if I'm being completely honest, I think we're looking at a Notre Dame Duke championship once again, but who knows? Uh, crazier things have happened. Yeah, I, I I have this sense that we might be heading in that direction, too. But obviously a lot. We'll, we'll learn a lot from this weekend, whether that can happen. Um, to focus on Hopkins for a second, this has just been an exceptional season for Hopkins lacrosse. Given the past couple of years, right? I think historically speaking, what Hopkins has done this year is the standard for the program, right? They're supposed to be here. They're supposed to have a couple of losses, but, you know, a really high strength of schedule win a couple of playoff games, move along, right? This is who Hopkins is. But given the last couple of years, like the fact that they're they're in this position after we had them not very highly ranked at all, we had them near the bottom of the Big Ten, like not a lot of faith was in this Blue Jay team. And here they are with a chance to go to the Final Four. Um, to your point, have they played a Notre Dame-like team? I, I don't think so. And they certainly haven't played a Notre Dame playoff team. For me, I think like you, Voight, this is going to be my, quote, easiest pick of the weekend. I think the Blue Jays, I think they can win, but whether they can and whether they will win are two very different things. And while they have a huge advantage playing at um, Navy, the last time these teams played in South Bend, the Irish won in the first round of the tournament 16 to 9. Uh, so I think Notre Dame is... They just have too many pieces that Hopkins can't match. And I think it's probably lower scoring than both of these squads are used to. But the Notre Dame revenge tour continues for me. Uh, I, I don't know if they still want to stick it to the committee. I mean, they've made it this far, but 
I think this team has national championship or bust on their radar. They are by no means done yet. So going to go with the Irish. Dryband is also taking the Irish for mm. pretty much all the exact same reasons that we said. Yep. Yep. It's going to be, uh, you know, whose revenge tour is going to, you know, keep keep going here. Um, so next up, uh, last game of the weekend, we have uh, Army uh, coming off a fresh win off of uh, the Maryland Terps, a uh, team that was uh, controversially put at number four. A lot of people didn't believe um, that they should be put at number four. Granted, when I say a lot of people, I mean a lot of people on Twitter that I see. So I, the, those, uh, those comments mean very little to me. Um, and they're taking on Penn State, who is coming off a comeback, a big comeback win off of Princeton. Um, I picked Princeton last weekend. Um, and certainly my ego was through the roof, um, after they went up like eight to one, nine to one. Um, and then Penn state ripped my heart out like temple of doom style. So, uh, it was, uh, certainly an entertaining Sunday night for me. Um, with this game though, oh man, I, my heart really wants to pick army. Um, but I also like really love Penn State and I really love what they're doing. Um, like I think uh, a lot of people were ready to write them off after the first half of that game on on Sunday night, um, and they just never gave up. I this is a Penn State team, you know, like Hopkins. We kind of wrote off at the beginning of the season. Like I had them in at the bottom of the Big Ten in my rankings and for the preseason, and here they are, number one seed in the Big Ten now playing in the quarterfinals, playing for a chance to go to Memorial Day weekend. Um, I really like Penn State. I really like their defense. Um, I really like Army's defense. I really like their goalie. I really like their middies. Um, I really like Penn State middies. I really like their attack. There's, I really have to nitpick to see like what I don't like or what I like in this game as far as both teams go. This is going to be a scrap for sure, and it's just going to come down to who's the tougher team. Um, in my eyes, the tougher team is the team who scraps for ground balls and picks up ground balls, and I think that's Army's game. But I think Penn State just doesn't make those types of mistakes. They pass the ball pretty well, and they don't drop the ball a ton. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Army can get in their face, certainly, and force some things to happen. But I really like Penn State. I really like their shooters. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to pick as well because not – Neither of these teams are really too experienced in the NCAA tournament. So at least, re- I mean, yeah, at least recently. I mean, Penn State 2019, but not much before that. Yeah. So it's uh, it's certainly like a pick your poison type game. Um, I I think we're in store for all these games. All four of these games are going to be so entertaining, man. I'm going to enjoy all of them, but this is probably the toughest one to pick for me. I will echo that exact. This this was for me the most back and forth pick game, the hardest to differentiate. Just teams that don't play similar ways, but teams that just the matchup causes nightmares from a picking perspective because you can see it going so many different ways, and that's in large part due to like how they won last week, right? Army got off to a lead, but they hung around. They actually went down and they came back and they won. Like that was a really mature win for a relatively inexperienced team in the moment. And honestly, similar for Penn State. I mean, they went down, but they came firing back and they also hung on despite a late Princeton charge. So um, both these teams 
I think are, to your point, Voight, fresh enough on this scene where they don't have a lot of like heartbreaking experiences to worry them. And I think it frees them up to play a little looser. Um, in terms of some of the stats, though, Army has 100, or I should say over 100, more ground balls than their opponents. That's like, U, that's like UVA level dominance at the GB. Yeah. Uh, Penn State has 23 fewer ground balls than their opponents. That does not bode well in terms of the uh, kind of mixed up plays that I think Army probably dominates in this matchup. Both teams also have 10 more turnovers than their opponents. So much like um, that, what was it, that Michigan-Duke game? Yes. Yeah, where turnovers are probably going to be coming a little bit more than a spectator would want. Uh, but it's just going to even out the game. Mm. I think Army has a slight edge at the X. And at the goalie position, it is a total toss-up, right? Jack Frassion, he's been the man. He's been an exceptional goalie, All-American. But, I mean, our dog of the week is our dog of the week of the reason. He's certainly capable. Um, you guys are both taking Penn State. Dragon's going to take Penn State. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Army. Yeah. I I think the uh, I think Coach uh, Abarishi deserves Coach of the Year. I mean, for what he's done with this roster, to take them to this extent, to win a, a Patriot League championship, this team has momentum. This team has fire. And I think unlike Michigan, they execute on it this this week and they catch a Penn State team, uh, not sleeping, but I, I think they probably – play Penn State much like they did Maryland kind of stun him a little bit and, mm-hmm. and hold on so yeah gonna go with Army a little bit of a gamble but I, I think we got ourselves a Cinderella here uh, I don't knock you at all man um, yeah this is the toughest game to pick out of the weekend and coach A he is awesome for that Army team um, yeah. a lot of videos surfaced of him like working young uh, youth camps uh, like nine to twelve year olds um, and there's a video out there that I think Lacrosse Network put out there or Lacrosse All-Stars. I forget which one. Um, but it's basically him giving a spiel about toughness and how, um, you know, toughness isn't just like shown on the field. It's shown off the field as well. Um, go. I'm not going to go too in detail. Go watch that video. It's an awesome video. Um, if you're a young coach like me who's teaching youth guys, it's certainly something to take note of and certainly a message that you want to send across your youth team um, as well. Um, Just a great video and a great coach um, who said a lot of great things. Uh, When, when I, when I, after I finished watching that video, I was just like blown away. He's um, an incredible guy and I can only imagine what he's teaching those guys at army and on his team. He's I'm um, glad he's teaching the future soldiers of America. uh, Yes, absolutely. Um, I want that man leading me into a, uh, into a fire. Um, all right. I, like, um, I just want to get in dry bands pick or at least get in his commentary. Uh, oh, yeah. as I said, he's taken Penn state. Uh, he feels that army's win over Maryland was, you know, everything amazing. Awesome. But, you know, unlike me, he doubts the black Knights ability to, to get that twice in a row. And I certainly don't blame him for that. Right. Catching fire twice is, is certainly a, a near impossible task in the sport of lacrosse, just given all the ebbs and flows of a game. Uh, but he's also like, this is a bold comment. He thinks Penn State looks like they can go further than they did with O'Keefe and Ament. Uh, that, that, that is that is high praises. We'll it sounds we'll like see. he might be high on Penn State in the semis as well, but we will see. I, 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 I'm going to 
put that in the category of hot take, but I think I need one more game before I'm like allowed yeah. to say anything like yeah. that. Um, certainly Amen and O'Keefe um, were special. I'm also, um, just to mention real quick, we do a little bit of a PLL fantasy um, thing mm-hmm. um, uh, amongst ourselves. It's kind of like fantasy hockey almost. Um, that's probably the closest uh, uh, closest fantasy I would uh, correlate it with. But I was looking. I was trying to find like Mac O'Keefe because I thought he was on our uh, like free agency list, and I saw a dry band had him, and he had Ament. Yeah. So no. Just, yeah. <laughs> you mean? Oh my God. Um, but yeah, no. I I think I need another game for this Penn State team for me to be convinced that they can go to a national championship. I don't think Ament or O'Keefe. The the Ament. No, they lost in the um, semis. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll certainly see. Um, whoever wins this game though, has to play the winner of Hopkins and Notre Dame. And that's going to be even a much tougher task, um, for either team. Um, and yeah, and to point out, like you said, it's tough to catch fire. Um, he certainly, Knox certainly caught fire against that Maryland team. Um, and something surprising I learned about that Maryland team, not a single offensive midi or attackman made uh, All-American. It was all defense and short stick D-middies. Not even, wow. I, don't, I don't think there was an honorable mention, um, but I would have to go back and look. And if there is, I apologize in advance. But um, something interesting I found, something I needed to point out because it was um, certainly surprising-ish. But after I looked at it, I was like, wow, this, like the attack groups and the midi groups are stacked this year. Um, like Dyson Williams was an honorable honorable mention, yeah. and he's easily second team in my eyes. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not a quote unquote expert. I'm not the guy who votes, so uh, that's a uh, that's not my decision to make. But uh, certainly very surprising um, from for, at least from my perspective. Boy, given we have some time on our hands and it's just you and me, do you want to do a, a quick little round robin of the D3 quarters? Yes. Yes, I was going to actually ask you that. Next All right. <laughs> Let's do it. The first game, we're going to just, we haven't prepped this. We're just going to do a little D3 action because we follow it almost as religiously as we do D1. Yeah. So I was I'm going to leave. I, I was following more D3 games this past weekend than D1 games because uh, I was at um, – Denison watching my little brother play uh, against St. John Fisher and Denison on Sunday. Um, so I was like looking through all of like the scores and whatnot. Um, I don't think I watched a single game until like Tuesday afternoon in the division one landscape, but yeah. Uh, who do we have first? We're going to start uh, in chronological order. So these games are going to happen on Saturday. First game is at noon. We got Salisbury and WNL. Who do you, who do you feel in there? Um, look, uh, I probably know WNL the best out of these eight other than Lynchburg. Um, they have a pretty solid team. They're sneaky good. Um, they have a couple of guys at midfield and attack who can certainly play, but that Salisbury defense is kind of like very similar to that UVA defense, very tall, very lengthy. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they throw the zone at them, throw some man to man, like uh, mixtures in there. Because uh, that's what they did against Lynchburg um, in their game earlier this season, and the zone worked out pretty well for them. Um, but I think I got to go with the Seagulls here, man. They're playing at home again um, at Seagull Stadium, WNL. Uh, they've kind of been streaky up and down, but they certainly have some guys who can play. 
So uh, don't be too surprised, but I think this is a, a Salisbury team that uh, walks away with a win here. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I don't I I watched Gettysburg play WNL earlier earlier in the year, and you know I think they're very beatable. And I think frankly WNL probably had arguably the easiest path to um to the quarterfinals. And yeah, I think Salisbury takes care of them here. But hey, it's playoff lacrosse anywhere, and, and crazy things can happen. Yep. Next uh, up, we have Christopher Newport, who took it to my Gettysburg Bullets. Um, so, so disappointing. But, hey, this is a very good CNU team. They are taking on the enemy of my existence, the Dickinson Red Devils. Boyd, who do you have here? Uh, oh, my God. I'm, I I don't like either of these teams, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, CNU. They, I think they won the matchup, the earlier matchup this year. That was at, um, that was at the Mustang Classic at Stevenson. Okay, yeah, that makes um, sense. I think they won by one or two goals, maybe one goal. I want to say. Um, I don't know much about Dickinson other than Chris Brandau, the goalie. He, uh, for those who of you who don't know, I played with Chris at BL, and so did Dryband, um, and he was a grade below us. Um, uh, certainly a fantastic goalie, and I've told uh, Glazer this. I've told Draban this. He is certainly a D1 caliber goalie, so it's going to be tough to get shots uh, by him and score some goals. CNU is definitely going to have to earn it. Um, but CNU, man, they they play tough. Um, as much as I don't like them, they do play tough, and I think they uh, they walk away with this one as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you again. I I, I don't. Again, this is kind of like my Georgetown UVA pick. I'm I'm picking Christopher Newport because I just loathe Dickinson. Uh, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of CNU either, but I mean, to me, Dickinson are frauds. And it's hard to call a team that's whatever has two losses on the year, three losses on the year frauds. But I don't know. To me, they are like, I don't know how they win as many games as they do, but they figure out a way. And yeah, I think Brandau is a huge part of that, but. The pace that CNU plays with, I, I think the captain's, I think the captain's pace is just too much for the Red Devils here. Yeah, Dickinson also. I'm I'm looking at the bracket right now. Um, Dickinson, they just haven't played anybody yet. Stevens, what it like looked like a good team on paper, but um, they they blew them out of the water, twenty to eleven. Um, or no, Stevens. Yeah, Stevens killed Kenyon. Yeah. Or no, they beat. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong score. Uh, yeah, Dickinson beat Stevens twelve to ten. It looks like this text is so small. It hurts my eyes. Um, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I got to go with CMU here. Um, bigger, Next up. Faster, stronger. Next up, we have a NESCAC Liberty League showdown with RIT hosting Middlebury. Middlebury, uh, only two losses on the year, I'm pretty sure, are to Tufts in the regular season and in the NESCAC championship. Yep. Yep, I was looking at that one uh, earlier today because uh, we're probably talk we're going to talk about the next matchup here, and that's going to be one I'm excited for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I like RIT here. Middlebury, good team, but RIT's on a roll this year. I don't I don't think anything is stopping them um, right now. So um, Middlebury, great year, but I'm just not sold. Yeah, I mean, Middlebury kind of came out of nowhere, right? Middlebury's women's team is always really good, top of the country, you know, national championship contender. 
But I actually watched the Middlebury-St. Mary's game a little bit on Saturday. And St. Mary's hung around with this Middlebury team. I don't know if it was throwing out a defensive plan that the that Middlebury wasn't ready for, but the Panthers were stymied a little bit by St. Mary's. Now they came away with came away with the win, and they beat Union, you know, national runners up last year by nine the next day. So yeah, this Middlebury team is no joke, but nor is RIT. Uh, RIT is a two-time defending national champion for a reason. I think they, you know, obviously won a third one. Uh, so definitely expect a high-scoring affair in this quarterfinal, but I think the Tigers advance to the semis. That leaves us with one more game, Voight, and this, of course, is the last game we have to have because it's the one nearest and dearest to your heart. Let's preview Absolutely. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this matchup, uh, it's the 2 o'clock game, but we saved it for obvious reasons. Uh, Lynchburg is taking on Tufts. Tufts, we all know the story with them. Uh, right now they're 20-0, and 0, number one team in the country. Um, and then you got Lynchburg, who uh, is, I believe they went 13-6 and six on the year. But man, dude, look at some of the games that they lost this season. Number six, uh, Salisbury in overtime, 16-15. to 15. Um, lost to CNU in overtime, 14 to 13. Um, just they had four overtime games this year that could have gone either way, and they could be absolutely be a top five team. Um, oh yeah, if a couple of those games turn right around. So don't knock the Hornets, man. Um, they did have an injury to one of their starting attackmen who won't be available, unfortunately. But from what I saw against St. John Fisher and Denison, these guys are here to stay. Um, I, they, the word around the street is we've been dubbing them the heart attack Hornets. And certainly I think that shows out here. Um, Tufts, great team. They've blown out some guys, but they've also almost given, given away some games here and there too. Yeah. They had a close one to Connecticut college, right? Yeah. 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 15 to 14. I was looking at that game. Um, Williams was a three, a two, three goal game. Um, they certainly, and, uh, they had another – there was another uh, NESCAC game that they only won by, like, two or three as well. Um, I don't have the schedule up here on me. Yeah, it, you are right, though. Yeah, they, uh, they're, they're, they're certainly vulnerable. So um, these teams did meet earlier in the year, um, and the score was 19-4 to in favor of the uh, Jumbos. However – It's a freaking well, snowstorm. Don't forget, yeah, there were 20 inches of snow on the ground, and you couldn't run through the through like 15 mile hour winds. So it was a it it was a game that many of us questioned that was being played, um, to be quite honest. Um, but I think that's a game that you just need to throw out the window when it comes to analyzing this matchup. Um, the it's it's a different atmosphere. Um, and uh, I was I was talking to my parents today because we were trying to figure out travel plans uh, up there, and it's going to be hectic in Boston. Um, Taylor Swift concert, um, same day. Um, there's another event going on like right at Tufts. Um, Tufts has graduation that morning too, so the seniors are going to be running from graduation up to the lacrosse field. Um, so certainly those guys are going to be pumped up for sure. Um, but man. Hornets, man. I, I can't pick against them for obvious reasons, but I also believe that they're going to win this game. Um, they are a special team. They got some special guys. And uh, 
with some guys leaving and going to other schools or graduating, I think this is their time to uh, upset the number one team and hand Tufts their first loss. I, I love I love the uh, faith boy, but um, I don't think Tufts I, I don't think Tufts loses the game. Um, I, I, I've watched this team. I watched the team at various points in the year. I watched them early in the year when it was you know frigid up in Massachusetts. I watched them this past weekend a little bit. This team just plays a different brand of offensive lacrosse. I mean, the ball crosses midfield and they like casually pass it around. And then all of a sudden the ball's in the back of net. And they're like, wait, what? What the hell just happened? Their defense is, of course, not as good as their offense. Uh, and so they're capable of letting in goals. But this this tough team, this Jumbo's team looks unstoppable. And clearly Lynchburg has actually an advantage here by playing toughs before. Uh, but it is a long way north from Lynchburg, Virginia, up to Boston. Uh, and while the, I think the boys will be ready for it, this Jumbos team is 20-0 for a reason. So I'm going to have to take the Jumbos, but my heart will be with the Hornets. I'll remember that. I'll remember that on Monday. <laughs> but, it, like, man, I'm so excited for this group. I'm so excited for my little brother. Uh, man, um, that team's fought a lot through adversity. So... You know, win or lose tomorrow or win or lose on Saturday, I'm so proud of this team um, for the way they've battled. Um, all righty. Yeah, so that does it for us here. Um, anything else before we head out? Well, just housekeeping. We will be uh, back probably at our normal time next week. I know this was a late release, but we'll be back uh, next week just to preview the semifinals and the national championship. So we'll go over all the different scenarios uh, and do that in one recording. And then we'll have one more episode after that to kind of cap off the year. And then we will probably be off until at least, you know, November, December to preview the 2024 season. So stick with us for a couple more weeks. We appreciate you uh, giving some D3 love this evening as well. And uh, yeah, enjoy the games. Uh, they are going to be phenomenal this weekend. Go Hornets. <laughs>